As we turn to scripture, let us pray together. Creating God, source of all good, be a light to our path. Open our eyes to see your beauty, open our ears to hear your word, open our hearts to know your peace. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is perhaps the most beloved text in all of scripture, Psalm 23. Normally, when I share a reading in worship, we do it out of a contemporary translation, but with Psalm 23, it just doesn't sound right if it's not in the old King James Version. So I'm going to read the King James Version of Psalm 23 this morning. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. We are glad to be celebrating Confirmation Sunday today. Confirmation is the moment when young people, most of whom were who most of whom were baptized as infants claim the promises of faith for themselves. They officially join the church. But confirmation is also an opportunity to ask deep questions, to explore faith and doubt, to decide what kind of story you want to live with your life. And that process continues after today. When our young people start their confirmation journey, we give them a Bible. In some ways, it's a strange gift to give them because the Bible is a strange book. It's probably the most omnipresent yet unread book in the world. It's got the thickness of Harry Potter, but none of the playfulness. The text is small and cramped and full of odd words and unpronounceable names. Am I right, the confirmants who spent time with it? If you start from the beginning, you'll have to wade through a sea of genealogies and legal disputes and dietary laws and kings and tribes and measurements and territories, enough to make even Moses roll his eyes and nod off to sleep. And yet, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the midst of all its beauty and all its strangeness, the Bible tells a story about the world, about how we should live in the world, and that story matters. It matters what story we tell, what story we live, how we think the world finally works, and we can give our young people all the Bibles in the world. It's the story they see us living that really matters. What story are we telling them? Well, I'm sorry to say that sometimes, sometimes it seems like we're telling them the story of a world of indifference, a world that doesn't care for us, so we don't need to care for it. Here we are a week and a day after Earth Day, 
This was the 53rd anniversary of the first Earth Day more than half a century ago. More than half a century of awareness of the fragility of this good green planet that we call home. And yet, there is a garbage patch made up of almost two billion pieces of plastic floating in the Pacific Ocean. And over the last couple of years, almost half of the coral in Australia's Great Barrier Reef has died. And wildlife populations have declined by more than half since that first Earth Day. And one out of ten, one out of ten bird species across the Western Hemisphere is headed for extinction within our lifetime. What story are we telling our young people about the world? Maybe it's not that the world is indifferent to us. Maybe the story we're telling is that the world is hostile. Now, probably none of us would say that out loud. But what story do we tell with our lives? If the world is hostile, the only response is to live in fear, to go through life in a kind of perpetual defensive crouch, building up walls to protect ourselves, tearing others down so they're not a threat. Look at the news, look at social media, look at our public discourse, look at our politics. When you can't pull into a driveway or knock on a door or ask your neighbor to keep it down without fear of being shot, what story are we telling about the world? Too often, it seems we're telling our young people the story of a broken and fearful world and yet the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want Psalm 23 invites us to see the world differently to tell a different story not the story of an indifferent world or a hostile world but a world that is life-giving and full of grace and possibility a world where we can live generous and compassionate lives, where we can live unafraid. Now, the Bible is not a fairy tale. It takes a rough and tumble, painfully honest look at the world, and Psalm 23 is no exception. It doesn't promise a life without troubles. What it promises is God's presence and provision in the midst of those troubles. It promises green pastures in the midst of parched land. It promises still waters in the midst of churning rivers. It promises God's companionship through dark and deadly valleys. And it promises a table of plenty when surrounded by enemies. And maybe even the possibility of making peace with our enemies. You know, in the Bible setting a table, gathering around a meal together. These are signs of reconciliation. Maybe the table God sets in Psalm 23 is a table of peace. Notice the enemies disappear once the table is set. You know, on Friday, Emily and I went to our first Merle Fest. Now, I will tell you, this is mostly a story of monsoon-like rain and the thickest, sludgiest, most omnipresent mud I have ever seen in my life. But after the rain cleared, a rainbow, a double rainbow actually, made a dazzling appearance, a promise of peace and provision that goes all the way back to Noah. 
And the music went deep into the night, ending with the Avid brothers. And their last song, No Hard Feelings, ended with the refrain, I have no enemies. I have no enemies. Now, I bet the Avett brothers have heard Psalm 23 more than once in their life. So I took this as another sign, another rendition of the same story Psalm 23 is telling us. The promise of a world where we can live unafraid. Psalm 23 doesn't just promise, it also summons Thou anointest my head with oil. Anointing is a sign of divine calling. You anoint kings to rule. You anoint prophets to speak the truth. We, all of us, are anointed. We are called to live the story of Psalm 23. To live not in an indifferent or hostile world, but in a world of gracious plenty, where there's more than enough for all when we act with compassion and justice. We are called to live unafraid. And then notice the last verse. It says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not, not go before me, but follow me. Goodness and mercy are like the footprints we leave behind when we walk through the world unafraid. They are the lights we leave to illuminate the way for others. It matters. It matters what story we're telling our young people. They'll read all sorts of wonderful and odd stories in the Bible, but the most impactful story is the one we live with our lives. Do we live in an indifferent world, a hostile world, or a world that is full of promise and possibility, not without suffering, not, not without shadows, but ultimately good and full of grace and beauty because the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm tempted to despair about the world. I am. I confess that. But then I remember... Our young people, I remember our confirmands. Suddenly they're very nervous because I'm looking at them. <laughs> you give me hope. I mean that. You give me hope. Our young people aren't only listening. They're also telling their own stories. And I think we need to listen to them. Their generation is stepping forward, refusing to live in an indifferent or hostile world, maybe they can remind us what it means to live unafraid. I remember a few years ago, my daughter Ella, on her own, took the train to downtown Atlanta to participate in a protest against racial injustice. And at one tense moment as the demonstrators and the police were drawing closer and closer to each other, one of the protest leaders called out, white allies to the front. So my 16-year-old daughter moved to the front, put her body between police with riot gear and clubs and tear gas and crowds of black protesters. I am in awe of her courage and it gives me hope. 
Her generation is tuning in and turning up. And I have no doubt there are similar stories of living unafraid already taking shape among our young people here today. After all, we gave them a Bible. There's no telling where that strange, life-giving book will lead them. And so, inspired by their example... Let us trust the promises of Psalm 23. Let us choose to live in a world of gracious plenty. Let us choose to live in a world where goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. Let us choose to live unafraid. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.